This morning we're continuing in our sermon series titled Songs of the Summer. And today we're looking at Psalm 42, a love song, a song of spiritual hunger about an individual and personal relationship with God. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? It's beautiful language. It's a beautiful relationship. It's very emotional. But we may find that these words don't always reflect our own relationship with God. When we read a passage like this, we ask ourselves a question. How strong is my own love for God? How strong is my own spiritual hunger? Am I seeking God with my whole heart? Or have I put my relationship with him on the back burner? Can I ask you to picture an imaginary scale of spiritual hunger from one to ten? One being that actually, if you're honest about it, you're experiencing spiritual apathy. Perhaps you've come to church this morning more out of habit than anything else. Perhaps you're um, finding your prayer life and your worship life, um, really you feel like you're going through the motions with those things. Or perhaps you're a 10, perhaps you've come to church this morning really eager and expectant to encounter God. Perhaps you are a 5. You have a nice, moderate love of God. Nothing too over-the-top but a nice, steady love for God. If we're honest, many of us are five or less. Perhaps not even that. In our heart of hearts, we're pretty apathetic towards God at the moment. We love him, we want to worship him and make time for him. But perhaps when we look at the intensity of the love in this passage, we find our own love is lacking. Perhaps other things have taken over. Work, relationships, ambition, our health, our wealth, our possessions. There are so many things to occupy our minds, and our hearts. And to a greater or lesser extent, these things can be satisfying. But we know as Christians that these things never truly satisfy. They don't satisfy in the way that our relationship with God can satisfy. In the book Hunger for God, John Piper writes, If you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things, 
and there is no room for the great. This morning, as we spend time in prayer and worship and reading God's word, we are making room in our souls for the great things of God. But what about Monday to Saturday? Do we find ourselves stuffing our souls with small things? As we read through this psalm, we can be inspired and encouraged to put God in his rightful place. In number one, above everything else in our lives. This passage is not unique in its use of hunger and thirst metaphors. The connection between physical and spiritual hunger is threaded throughout the entire Bible. Perhaps we see this most clearly in the history of the Israelites when they are led into the wilderness and God provides for them supernaturally through providing manna. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, we read, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. In the Bible, often physical hunger is a picture of a deeper spiritual reality, the reality that we are dependent on God. And as Christians, we know that these needs are met only in the person of Jesus. Jesus, who said, I am the bread of life, who said, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Spiritual hunger is an indicator of good spiritual health. There is no such thing as a healthy, moderate love of God. There's no happy medium balancing our love for God alongside our love for other things in our lives. A moderate love of God is deeply unhealthy in the life of a Christian. So when we inevitably as humans find ourselves in that place, we need to reorientate our lives around God. It's the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. In verse 2, the psalmist writes, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. He's highlighting that his God is not just one of many gods and idols. He is the one and only living God. We may not have other gods and idols in our lives, but we all have a form of idols in our lives. We have other priorities, desires, and ambitions. And they may not necessarily be bad things, but they can usurp our relationship with God. We nibble on the small things of the world and don't leave room for the great things of God. I remember a time in my own life when I lost my spiritual hunger. I was making applications to university 
and I had a very fixed idea of where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do and achieve. And I was at church one Sunday evening, and we were worshiping God, and I remember a lyric came onto the screen, and it said, all of my ambitions, hopes and plans, I surrender these into your hands. And I had been singing, I had been worshiping, my hands raised high, and when I saw those lyrics, I just stopped because it had hit me. Those aspects of my life had not been surrendered to God. I realized that my academic ambition had become an idol in my life. I was more interested in pursuing my own plan determinedly rather than listening to God about what he might have planned for my life. And from that evening onwards, God began to work in my heart. Through Bible passages and ultimately in a time of prayer, God shifted things in my heart. He opened my eyes to the emptiness of living out ambitions just for myself when I could be walking with him. There was a really significant shift in my heart, but it wasn't necessarily a visible outward change. I still worked hard for my exams, I prepared well for the interviews, and I got accepted onto the course that I had been aiming for. But I had done all of those things in the confidence that God had a plan for my life, and that if it wasn't my plan, I was okay with that. From an external perspective, everything looked the same. But internally, for me, day to day, everything was different. My relationship with God was number one, and my relationship with ambition was healthier and flourishing because of that. Once our hearts are reoriented around God, our passions, our ambitions, our relationships become healthier. God doesn't demand to be number one in our lives out of vanity. He asks us to put him first because he designed us to be in relationship with him, to be satisfied firstly and foremostly by his love and his provision. In Psalm 42, the psalmist has focused his hunger on God alone. He writes, deep calls to deep. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me. This is not a writer who is stuck for poetic material. This is somebody whose love for God is in overflow, and that is somewhat surprising as we look through the rest of the passage. 
The psalmist is somebody who is suffering. My tears have been my food day and night. Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? But the psalmist doesn't allow himself to be blinded by his circumstances. In verse 4, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. The psalmist remembers the goodness of God, and he hungers for it. We all have times in our lives like this, times when we're suffering, and we can feel tempted to blame God, or to distance ourselves from him. It's very easy in a time like this to feel apathetic about prayer and worship. But the psalmist focuses on a memory of communal worship. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it's a memory of communal worship. He writes, I I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. God has designed us for community. In many ways, church is one of the best remedies for an apathetic Christian. We read God's word, we worship, we pray, and we get support. We have deep friendships with other Christians, people who can spur us on in our faith, people who can walk alongside us as we journey with God. We should never underestimate how powerful that is. So what should we do when we find that apathy has crept into our relationship with God? Well, firstly, we can seek conviction and ask God to reveal to us the idols in our life that may have come between us and him. And we can take steps to reorientate our lives around God. Secondly, we can remember his goodness despite our circumstances through communal worship and mutual encouragement. And thirdly and finally, we can learn to preach these things to ourselves. Can you read the last Verse with me. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The psalmist is preaching to himself. He's saying to his own soul, Put your hope in God. This morning I'm preaching. It's not something. I usually do. But as Christians, all of us need to get into the habit of preaching. We need to get into the habit of preaching to ourselves, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior 
and my God.